Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age podcast. This is your host, C. Travis Webb, editor of the American Age, and I am speaking to you from Irvine, California. Hi, this is Stephen G. Fullwood. I am the co-founder of the Nomadic Archivist Project, and I'm also the exhibitions coordinator for Marking Time, Art in the Age of Mass Incarceration. And I'm coming to you from, um, I guess it's Harlem. Yeah, I'm in Harlem. <laughs> um, I, I know where I am, <laughs> and I know who I am. I'm, I'm Seth Rodney. I'm a senior critic and senior editor at Hyperallergic, and um, coming to you from Newburgh. Uh, Happy New Year. This is to remind our listeners that we practice a form of what we like to call intellectual intimacy, which is giving each other the space and time to figure out things out loud and together. Uh, and today we're going to talk about, um, well, ostensibly the title of the podcast was Two Degrees of White Supremacy, um, but I was just joking with Seth and Stephen before we started recording, and I said I really only need one degree. <laughs> and the setup was that the media, um, so not, you know, not in real life, but that the media has is sort of moved into a kind of posture where that basically every story that seems to catch any kind of narrative wind in our current culture is linked to white supremacy. Um, I also so, would, Travis, uh, sorry, I just need yeah. to interrupt to say to listeners, this is Travis's contention, which he made on the <laughs> yeah. last podcast and which I pushed back against. So we're yeah, trying so, to no, no, prove I, it I, out, I, right? So, so, Seth, you got to let me. I, okay, I was, okay, I was okay. not going to. And I'm just here, but go ahead. Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, I was going to get to that. So that that this is my argument, and that um, that uh, Seth and Stephen both laughed at this, and and Seth said, "I don't think so." So I said, "Let's play a game." I said, send me <laughs> five, I said, send me, not in a war games kind of way, but <laughs> and I said, send me five stories, any five stories that you want. Um, you know, don't research it ahead of time. Any five topics that you want that were, you know, uh, larger stories from the last, you know, year, six months, whatever. <laughs> and I'll do a Google search and I will find a story that connects that story to white supremacy. <laughs> um, this was, this took me about 10 minutes, if I'm being honest. Mm -hmm. So I, I went through, uh, uh, Stephen sent me four, Seth sent me five. And no, I sent you uh, more than that. I sent you six. You sent me six. It was a bonus one. The bonus one was actually the hardest one, although the very top story was on white supremacy. Um, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but, but the others were not. So I tried to mark the stories and say, like, you know, basically, if there were a lot of hits on this or not very many hits. Okay. okay. Um, so for today's podcast... Um, you'll hear me clicking around a little bit more than, you know, we, we normally do, or maybe, you know, Chris will edit that out or whatever, but let me pull my little notepad over here. I'm not sure how you guys want to do this. I mean, I have the links to the story, so I'll just, I'll read you the headlines basically. And okay. Then, since you're not going to have time to go through and read all these. So why, this, why don't you start with, for, sorry, who, 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 yeah, you're starting with Stevens? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This cool, is Stevens. Cool, cool. So okay. this is Build Back Better. And so I, I want to say that I did not go beyond the first page of Google Hits. I didn't dig up stuff on like a random, you know, like some rando's Twitter feed or something like that. Uh, these were all from major media outlets or at least well-known media outlets. 
Um, with the exception of maybe the last one, although the last one was a really hard hit. This is the Demarius Thomas, um, you know, his kind of, uh, I actually don't know after all that. I'm not really sure. Do they know how he died or why he died? No, no, I'm, I'm not sure. It's just like this a, ex-football Some player. seizure in the shower or something like that? I, 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 the circumstances are murky. Yeah. Okay. Um, so build back better. Um, the, the story, what this was in brookings.edu. Um, what does the build back better framework mean for BIPOC communities? Uh, and this was about basically how build back better is going to help, you know, the non-whites and how whites have benefited from, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Wait, 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 Hold, hold on. Sorry. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I just need to do this because for my own edification, Brookings.edu. What is Brookings? The Brookings Institute, as far as I know. Right. Well, is, that's a think tank, isn't it? As far as I know, yeah. It's a blog. Yeah, it's, it's on their blog. The blog is called How We Rise. This was published on November fifth, two thousand twenty-one. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little persnickety here. Brookings Institute is. We're considering that legacy media. No, I just said in the media. Oh, okay. I, I mean, so, I, I mean, and part of legacy media. Like, I, I don't, let's get through them. I don't, I don't want to move the goalpost because okay. my okay. contention was pretty straight ahead. Was okay. that it is that you don't have to scratch the surface to find major news stories being associated with white supremacy. And I understand white supremacy being, you know, kind of capaciously conceived as an advantage to white people, structural advantage to white people, structural disadvantage to non-white people, et cetera. Okay. So I just want to, I want to clarify my position here because when you said what you said about white supremacy and, and the media, what I thought was you would find stories in like CNN, NBC, Fox so, News, that, that, that sort of clear, thing. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I could have found those two. Okay. I just didn't have time to like, we didn't agree upon a set number of outlets. This one had mm. several hits, by the way. This okay. was not just one hit. Uh, I'll mark the ones that didn't have very many hits. The Ghislaine Maxwell, uh-huh. um, this was um, in Mother Jones, and the title of it was Monsters of 2020, Ghislaine, Ghislaine Maxwell. Mm. And it was basically about how this is, you know, yet another privileged white woman doing what privileged white women do. Uh, take advantage of the system. So, so sorry, what was the headline though? Uh, Monsters of 2020. Okay, and 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 the, the text of the article got into how Ghislaine Maxwell is sort of representative of the pr- overprivileged white women. Is that correct? Yeah, hold on one second. I'll I'll read the the section. I just clicked. Uh, apologize for everyone. Maxwell is a sinister caricature of the complicit white woman, a familiar type in America. Wherever there are overlapping systems of power, there is this figure of the subordinate who subordinates the plantation mistress using violence to control their slaves, the racists falsely accusing black men of rape, the 47% plurality of white women who voted for Donald Trump in 2016 or another version. I think that probably... Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um, Omicron. Lots of hits on Omicron. Um, I just picked a, a pretty straight ahead one. This was on Reuters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was entitled Omicron Blaming Shows Persistent Racism Healthcare. I, I, that's actually, so that's the slug. That's not the actual title. Let's, uh, okay. Omicron's Blaming blaming Shows Persistence of Racism in Healthcare. And that was on Reuters. So at, at, this it, is on Reuters. Reuters, okay. 
Uh, Elon Musk was another one that Steven sent me, and this is from the Daily Dot. Um, and it was about uh, Elon Musk getting eviscerated on Twitter for his OK sign, which is a sign of white supremacy. I didn't, I didn't even so, know that happened. Yeah, I didn't know that I happened either. I didn't, I didn't either. It, that was news to me, but apparently Elon Musk is a white supremacist. Um, <laughs> wait, 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 uh, wait, wait what, what news outlet was this? This is on the so this is the Daily Dot, but this is a this was a a top hit, and this was a huge. Apparently, this was a thing that happened on Twitter. Other outlets reported on this. Okay. I, I didn't know about it, okay. but this was something when he was on SNL. Apparently, okay. Uh, okay. This is from Seth's list. This is Joe Biden and inflation. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so the first hit was the very top one. I, I actually laughed out loud when I found it. When you read it, though, I don't know that it really fairly qualifies, but I included it because it was such an obvious hit. But then I'll get to the second one. So the first one was at the Tampa, was it uh, whatever Tampa Bay's paper is? Um, Tampa Bay Buccaneer? Tampa, <laughs> no. Well, that, that's, that's the, the Bay Air Reporter? I mean, <laughs> Tampa, Tampa Bay Times, Tampa okay. Bay Times, which is their outlet or whatever. The title of it is Inflation and Critical Race Theory Have More in Common Than You Think. Oh, it's, come on. Come on. So, <laughs> so that's the title. That's if just, you read that's it. just a white person who's just scared. <laughs> like, okay, that's so, so, to be, so to be clear, Seth, I would argue if we had a different podcast that most of this is being generated by white people. And that this is the, the entire that the well, entire liberal. Yeah. Sort of, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. But by, by liberal by liberal white people. And that the extension of this kind of near sort of hysterical, breathless reporting is an extension of the white man's burden. Like basically, what they've done is the white man's burden has now co-opted no, white supremacy. I'm, I'm on, I'm on that. Yeah, because that's what happens. That's that's the legacy. That's clear. That yeah. is, there's a clear pathway. So I appreciate that. Yes. I know. Wait, wait, yeah, wait, wait, yeah. wait, wait, wait. I don't. I'm not sure I agree with this or really understand it. Okay. Wait, well, well, can we can we get back to it so okay. I can, we can just go through the list? Because obviously, the list is not going to be the extension of the, the extent okay. of the podcast. Okay. So, but if you read it, he what he's doing is kind of juxtaposing these two. Um, kind of aspects of like how these things are reported and stuff. So he's not lampooning it. He's talking about both, but it was, I didn't know if it was a fully fair uh, selection, even though the title is so great. So, but the next hit, which is like the next one down or one below that was, is on Politico um, and it's soaring inflation, uh, uh, wealth, racial disparities is the slug and the title, uh, the actual uh, title of it. Soaring inflation could hamper Biden's effort to narrow wealth, racial disparities. And so it's about kind of like how Build Back Better is meant to. to I also want to say by listing these, I am not saying that all of them should be looked at equally. Some of these arguments have a little bit more validity to them. For example, the one on Omicron and banning flights from South Africa and all of that, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, like that feel that felt a little racist to me. Like it's, it was a little, like, it's hard for me to imagine that we would have immediately blocked flights from like France or UK if they had scientists that were like, Hey, we discovered a new variant, but I could be wrong about that. But I do think that it's, I do think I'm at least willing to hear that argument. So, Mm. um, that's the Biden and inflation. Uh, Seth sent Elizabeth Holmes. So this one is on, uh, is on Bloomberg law. Uh, so, uh, 
Theranos Elizabeth Holmes plays the privileged white female card. Simone Biles, there were tons. Um, and this one was just, think winning Olympic gold is tough? Try doing it while coping with racism. Uh, <laughs> Wait a minute, where, where's this, where's where's this in the Washington Examiner? What the fuck? This is the Guardian, motherfucker. This is oh, the Guardian. Okay, the Guardian. <laughs> Gotta be kidding me. Jesus so, Christ. A COP26 climate talks. This is on CNN. And this is, we're not just somebody to look at. I'm air quoting. Sideblind mm-hmm. groups complain of racial tokenism at COP26 climate talks. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait, wait. Who claims it? We, who, who claimed what? We are not just somebody to look at. Mm-hmm. Uh, the photo, uh, I'm not sure. It's, uh, that's funny. It's just a, it's a, it's a photo of a, what looks to be an, an indigenous American, uh, mm-hmm. indigenous people's organization. It's, you know, uh, racial tokenism. So. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. Okay. California wildfire season. This was weirdly super easy. There were tons on this one. And this is the Western Centerity, uh, uh, Poverty and Law Center, Western Center for Poverty and Law and their blog. Racism fuels wildfire is the headline. What? Uh, racism is burning out of control in part because of racism toward indigenous people and practices. So, but here's the here's the hundred words. I just want to add this very quickly, and please continue get through. We need to see all of these because I want to read them, and I know you're a close reader and you're a thoughtful reader. I have to feel like I, so. Actually, the Stephen, co-option me, of me, it is really yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I appreciate I appreciate that, but I do want to. I didn't read all of this nonsense. I don't. I don't <laughs> okay. need to read like so. And and I I wouldn't because this is a and it, I. I'm not you sure if it's all better, nonsense, though. That's the yeah. thing. I want to know. So what, my mm-hmm. my point is that literally, with I'm not going to say. Of course, you will be able to find some exception, but just about every story that hits the airways that hits the airwaves or catches on social media is linked to white supremacy. You don't. The content of the story is is somewhat irrelevant to that claim. That's the I am thing. Not, yes, I. Yeah, that's part of yeah, it for so me. Yeah, it's 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 somewhat irrelevant to the claim because if you're if you're hitting that one, if you're hitting if you're doing the cowbell, you know that that famous sort of SNL skit, you know, more cowbell, more cowbell. I kind of feel like when it comes to when it comes to these sort of these righteous crusades, mm-hmm. it's it's as if all of these newsrooms in seeking clicks and and looking for traction. It's just always more cowbell. Like, well, how, you know, I literally think around the pitch table, they're going like, okay, well, has anyone really looked at how inflation is affecting white, how white supremacy, uh, like affects inflation? Like, I I feel like that's the pitch around the table. So I feel like it's Pavlovian. I I like that. I like the cowbell, but Pavlovian, because if we're talking about ringing it, then we're getting the dogs, you know, we're trying to, you're going to be fed here, you know, you're going to be fed here. And you're going to be fed here. This is the problem because clickbait, that's the main thing that I'm, that I'm concerned with here with some of these stories and that you didn't have to dig very far to get to your point, which is really, I'm, you got me about 90%. You got me about 90%. I definitely I, agree with you about the co-option. I, that, I am, that's clear. I, I am genuinely yeah. surprised. And I have to say that uh, I just, I, in my news consumption, my daily news consumption, mm-hmm. that's that's not my. This has not been my experience. I don't see stories, and you know, I'm pretty primed to, to sniff this out. I uh-huh. don't see snowy, stories every day that 
basically link whatever cultural or socioeconomic um, development mm-hmm. to white supremacy. Um, it feels like that shows up in my feeds a lot in the art scene because that's okay. sort of like we're all sort of, when I say we, I mean people in the art scene, um, <clears throat> contemporary art scene, uh-huh. um, seem primed to be really, or, or sensitized to relationships of power. So okay. that, that seems like a constant sort of theme we return to. But in legacy media or large-scale media, my sense is that we, um, the country is always sort of, the, 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 tops, the top can't, the, 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 the key sort of way that um, reporters and editors in newsrooms look at the U.S. is through the lens of political partisanship, which may actually be mm. right next door to this notion of white supremacy. Yeah, I mean, I think Democrats mm. have absolutely like gone all in on this rhetorical gesture. Um, let me finish off the list with the last one. The, yeah. the Demarius Thomas, there were actually just a few. There were not a lot. Most of them were about his death. And I wanted to fill my own requirement that I was not going too deep into the Google search. But it was on the first page. It was near the top. And it compared, it com- it, this is in Baptist News, which I mm-hmm. checked is apparent. Well, no, 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 no. Baptist News? <laughs> so first of all, there are millions of Baptists in the country. And a lot of people don't get their news from 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 straight ahead secular sources. But mm-hmm. but. This was actually a criticism in Baptist News about this, that essentially Tim Tebow was taken up as a darling um, in mm-hmm. what, with, with white Christians, and Demarius Thomas was not, even though Demarius Thomas was apparently a long-practicing Christian. Uh, and his argument is that essentially it's, you know, pretty racist. So, it, so sorry, I just want to ask, um, what did you, what did you actually... Google. I go. I googled your term and then white supremacy. Okay, and that's oh, what came up. Oh, but wait a minute! Wait a minute! But isn't that kind of uh, what do you mean? Like you expect me to count, to comb through the thousands? No, of, no, 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 no. But but, but oh, I no. Okay, no. Well, I didn't. Realize but these are all major. The, but these are all major outlets. I didn't have to go. This is. This was just a. I, I mean, I don't see how that could be disqualifying. Like no, the, no, the, I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not arguing that. I'm not arguing that. I oh, just, oh, I, I just, I just didn't realize that that's what you were doing. I just, I thought for, I thought it was just like a naked search, just like blah blah blah, the Demarius Thomas's death, and then you see what comes up. But if you, but if you say Thomas's death plus white supremacy, it's only going to give you hits to have. No, white no, it didn't. But it didn't, though. There were lots of other hits on there. That's not how it works. I mean, these are all just, these are all or terms, right? I mean, you can you can force Google to do a Boolean search where you're, for, you know, in, air, in quotation marks to force a particular phrase, mm-hmm. but I didn't do that. So all it does is just adds, it just waits the search for, you know, it finds this topic. So like, for example, Build Back Better and White Supremacy, most of the the hits for that one in particular, not for some of them, mm-hmm. were about just Biden's <laughs> Build Back Better plan. So so here's 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 what I'm getting at, Travis. Um, um, no, bear bear, bear oh, with sorry. me here because I, I'm trying to, uh, I, I'm skeptical of this because what my sense of it is, 
my sense of what we're talking about is, okay, so I wake up in the morning and I open Google News and the, the raft of stories that are, that are um, shuttled to me from CNN, mm-hmm. from New York Times, from, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. from USA Today, blah, 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 blah. Like, um, in that n- morning news feed, I'm not seeing a lot of stories that have anything to do with white supremacy. When, when we sort of started off the thought experiment, what I thought you were going to do is basically, well, I don't know what to, I'm not, not really sure what I thought you were going to do. But that, like, doing what you did is not what I do sort of daily to get my news. You know what I'm saying? So there's like, mm. there's like a, a so, profound difference. I, you know, I understand that. I think two things. I think one, you're assuming that you are fully conscious and self-conscious of everything that you consume in a media landscape, which I don't think is realistic for anyone. True. Uh, and And two, I think... I do see these things a lot mm-hmm. and and I am particularly attenuated to indignation about it because mm-hmm. I feel like it dumbs down the the dialogue. Like I'll give you an example. This wasn't on either one of your lists, but EO Wilson just died. Um cool. uh, and EO EO Wilson, the, so the, biologist, oh, yeah, no. studied insects and you know had a lot of really interesting things to say about the world. Okay. And Scientific America basically said that EO Wilson's legacy was complicated because of his white empiricism. Okay. So we've we've reached the moment where we've now sort of we are we're questioning scientific claims and scientific contributions because of whatever white empiricism is. But well, just the, the, those are two very different things. Like, let's, let's, mm-hmm, let's, let's mm-hmm. parse this out. I don't know that the, from They're what you said... They're two very different things? I, I, wh- white wh- empiricism wh- and white supremacy are two no, very no, different No, 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 no. Oh, oh, oh no. okay, okay. Scientific okay. claims, and right. you said something else, which I've just forgotten, but scientific claims, the work that E.O. Wilson did is really separate and distinct from... Um, the ways that we um, think of his legacy or think of the man. And I don't think that they're, they're, I don't think, from what you've said about the article, it doesn't sound like they're doubting the veracity of his work so much as how we should think of the man. It's a, it's a dog shit article. You should read I it. Was, um, wait, yeah, wait, wait, I thought where, it was where, the where other, was it? actually. And what? Scientific American, I, I right? Yeah, Scientific America, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's The Complicated Legacy of E.O. Wilson is the title of it. With the death of biologist E.O. Wilson on Sunday, I find myself again reflecting on the complicated legacies of scientists whose work works are built on racist ideas and how these ideas came to define our understanding of the world. This is a clinical career registered nurse. Uh, I say that because this is the very next sentence. After a long clinical career as a registered nurse. Oh, I'm sorry. And then I became a laboratory trained scientist as researchers mapped the first draft of the human genome. And then, so, oh, here we go. So this is, uh, I mean, this is actually doing what I, what I had initially said. His influential text, Sociobiology, the New Synthesis, contributed to the false dichotomy of nature versus nurture. It's not what he does. And spawned an entire field of behavioral psychology grounded in the notion that differences among humans could be explained by genetics, inheritance, and other biological mechanisms. So most 
of our differences can be explained by genetics, inheritance, and other biological mechanisms. So it doesn't, E.O. Wilson never made the claim that all of what makes us human, never right. made the claim that that the nurture part of us was not, you know, significant in shaping who we are. Right. Um, it's a, just, it's an absurd claim. I mean, I don't want to take us too far off no, 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 no. Uh, but what we're that, talking about. But that it's makes helpful. sense to me. Thank you for that. No, that, that helps to clarify. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, I mean, that, that does sound like nonsense to me. It does. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, so th th I wasn't saying I'm sorry to you. I'm going to say sorry. I'm sorry to this. I'm sorry that the world isn't, you know, perfectly fair. Right. I mean, I, there are all kinds of things that I wish were, you know, my genetic inheritance that aren't. And well, maybe not all kinds, but there's certain, but there's certainly a list, right? Um, and so, uh, like for example, I'll give. I mean, one that I feel really cheated by to to lighten it up a little bit. So, like my dad apparently has never had a hangover in his life. My, uh, my not that my parents listen to the podcast, but I'll, I'll slightly uh, personal. So my mom, my dad uh, will, you know, he enjoys to drink. He doesn't drink, you know, starts to start eight o'clock in the morning. But, you know, I, I come from a family of, of people that are happy to drink when they want to. Mm -hmm. uh, my dad in his whole life has never had a hangover ever, like no matter how much he's uh, had to drink, uh, never had a hangover. I confirmed this with my mom. She's like, yeah, it's irritating. Um, so I did not get that gene. Right, I, I wish I got that gene. <laughs> like, whatever that, that, whatever that is, that's that is not a nurture thing. Like, it, and and I wish I, I mean I, that's pretty close to the tree, and I didn't get that. So there are all kinds of things that in a in a perfectly fair world we would have as part of our you know individual inheritances. But so but, uh, so I was I read this thing a few months back. Um, the woman who's married to Tom Brady, Giselle Bunkin, I think her name yeah. is the uh -huh. model. Sure. Yeah. She's a model. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, she was talking about her, I'm laughing because it's so ridiculous. She's talking uh -oh. about her like facial cleansing regimen. And oh God. And, you know, right. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what I did, Steven. I went, Oh God. <laughs> Hold the product here. Go ahead. And, yes. and I, um, and I squeezed the space between my eyes. Um, <laughs> she said, well, you know, what I've learned is in, 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 uh, what I figured out finally after like, you know, however old she is, 34 years, is that I'll just start off in the morning with cold water. Is this cold water? Is that, that's all I need? And, and I'm sure a bunch of women in the United States are like, that's it. I've got his cold No, no, no. Water. A bunch of women in America went grown. They did the same thing you did. They were like, fuck, what are you talking about? We have water. What? <laughs> Genetics? Oh my God, Giselle. And I'm sure she's talking some kind of skincare product. I'm sure she is. Right, but she the is. thing is like, you have oh. all these like ridiculously beautiful <laughs> women, right? Who like mm -hmm. did nothing to gain their, like what they, what they look like. And they're like, well, I think if you just do this, if you just put lemon juice and a little paprika, <laughs> like, <laughs> and just, you know, what, and if you just go outside with your cup of, you know, whatever, and you stare at the ocean, cause you always have an ocean in our backyard, that this will feed you what you need. It's conspirituality. It's just dumb stuff. It's like, not everybody oh needs a mic. God. Not everybody needs a platform. Honestly, honestly. <laughs> Irresponsible. Irresponsible. Please and just stop talking. And disingenuous, just, yeah. Like, like the disingenuous. Fuck? You know, just yeah, every morning. Because everybody's, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just, let's get yeah. back to Travis because that, <laughs> that really sticks in my craw. I hate shit like that. I know. Yeah. The whole. Well, that's a great example, though. I mean, I, I appreciate the stare at the ocean thing is hilarious. I, I do think, I mean, 
Yeah, it's just luck of the draw. The cold water is not it is not what got you there. Exactly, so, exactly. No science, nary a science. And, and so, you know, anyway, the to to maybe sort of like broaden out the conversation a little bit. I I, f- I feel like if if whiteness still has a legacy. I shouldn't have put if in front of that. I do think whiteness mm. as a concept does have a legacy. Clearly. Yeah. Um, that its legacy is this kind of gross simplification of the complexities of life and that it was born out of a gross simplification of the complexities of early European history. When Thomas Middleton first looked out at the audience and and called them white people, the good people of Europe, white people, Mm -hmm. what he was invoking was a very ancient distinction between good and evil. And that that's the legacy that we've inherited. And but whiteness is a floating signifier, just like blackness is. I mean, it's not um it's not something that is is only born by your skin color. It's not something that's only born by your heritage or your parents. Mm-hmm. It's an idea. And I absolutely think that white supremacy has become the latest iteration of a kind of white epistemology. And and that is the white man's burden that they have to that they have to right the wrongs of the world by teaching other people how to be correct, how to get on the right side of virtue. Okay, so wait, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to get at that, but I also want to do this sort of more meta thing, which is Stephen, can you hear us? You cut out, so you 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 cut out for a second. So. Oh, okay. Um, I want to do this more meta thing, which is to say. Um, suggest that because you you know how Google algorithms work. Like the more stuff that you read, the more stuff it gives you like that. Yeah. So is it possible that because you invest you 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 are you are tuned to this stuff that you are seeing more of it in your newsfeed? So is that possible? Sure, but I mean, th- again, these were all. I had not ever used that search term before. No, 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 no. Right, no. But, but I'm, not, I'm not getting at like the experiment. It's more like you because you came to us with this thing, like, oh my god, mm-hmm. white supremacy is everywhere, and I'm like, why are you no, seeing the media? Right, right. But so, why are you seeing that? Why are you seeing that? And I'm not seeing that so much. I'm is not what seeing I'm that as well. Yeah. So I would say, I mean, so I, I suppose the I suppose the algorithm thing is possible, mm. but. I would honestly, I mean, if we probably, we maybe have a different podcast about it. Like I would say you can't see it because you're saturated in it and it's everything that, that you, that you were like sort of, it, it's not, it's not, it, I'll give you an example. It, it would not be surprising to either one of you if we were talking about any of these topics and I was to immediately link it to white supremacy. No, it would be surprising to me. That's it's exactly. It depends if, on the context. And really, the, all the things being on the saturated in something makes it sound as if it's invisible because we're so used to it. And Precisely. when you said that earlier, when we had this thing two weeks ago and we, and we were laughing, mm-hmm. I was like, not everything I that comes up for me is around white supremacy. And I'm doing different, the Atlantic, the New Yorker, I'm doing things. And so that's some of that stuff does not come as a, as a subject or as an idea. And then I was thinking earlier with racism and white supremacy, these, they might overlap a bit, but they're not the same thing. Precisely. And I also, so I, 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 
Oh, go ahead. Just you I, might parse. Oh no, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Seth. Please, please. Just I, I feel like, yeah. I mean, uh, to to reiterate P- Stephen's point that the suggestion that you're making about saturation is uh, being well. Essentially, what you're saying is that it is in some ways not perceptible to me. Um, it, 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 I push back on that because, in especially in conversations in the art scene, I am. I find myself pushing back against the notion that all of this idea production, essentially aesthetic production, mm. has to have something to do with our politics. Like I actually, okay. I actually find that a fairly tiresome position to take, and it's not a very generative one. Like if you're gonna, if you, if I'm gonna go to a show on the Lower East Side. And I walk in the gallery, and the first thing that the 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 um, the press release tells me is that this work is coming out of this person's um, uh, sincere um, difficulties, contentions with white supremacy. I'm like, oh. like I don't like I, that's not that's not of interest to me necessarily. So, so it also is cheating. Like, can mm. I go in and get something out of this before I have to hear what you're saying about this? Precisely. Like, there's something that I don't like about the the guardrails around, or the maybe the 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 something. I'm supposed to pay attention to this. Right. I'm going to pay attention to whatever I pay attention to, and I resent the um, as I mentioned earlier. I resent the the artist sometimes. Not resent. Maybe that's too strong, but I don't need that second. Oh, and by the way, this is about white supremacy. <laughs> I'm like, uh, can, can I get into, let me get to the gallery. Let me watch the film. Let me yeah, read yeah. the book. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm fully trying to expro- expand my sensibilities about this. And I also want to respect you because that's your first product. That's the first conversation. Right. So I don't need the, the program or anything. I want to just experience it. So yeah. anyhow, I'm sorry. I'm yeah. just thinking of that. So, so, um, okay. I want to try and, um, let me um, let me parse this a little bit. Okay. Both of you, in subjects that you are actively engaged and actively thinking about, mm-hmm. I think that you would reflexively reject simplifications of those topics mm-hmm. because of your sensitivity and intelligence. I do think, however, that it can be an easy handle to come to a quick understanding of issues that are far more compl- complicated than they at first appear, and that white supremacy is often used for that handle. And I think a lot of our COVID conversations very easily, particularly with, with uh, Seth, Stephen, you were always a little bit more standoffish about that. And so um, I, I think that that became a very easy handle for talking about like kind of choices around vaccines or, you know, kind of the, the, for lack of a better word, and I understand that this is a loaded term, the unclean nature of people who were refusing to not get vaccinated. I mean, this was the tenor of the conversation that we would often have. So, and so I do think that in topics that you are actively engaged in, I don't think you I don't think that thread would at all be compelling to you if it wasn't done in a reasoned way or if if there wasn't a sustained argument. The very fact that, Stephen, you would want to parse racism and white supremacy already puts you at a remove from the debate that most people would have. 
most people would see these terms as largely interchangeable, uh, even though you may not feel that way about them. And I, I would agree that they're not. Mm-hmm. My point is that it is a very easy move to make. And my Google search bore out how mm-hmm. often white supremacy is attached to use to simplify a handle for people to interpret and understand the complicated events that surround them. Mm. And and I I think that I think that using the I don't think that's an algorithm thing. Mm. I I think it's mm. ever, like I think it's all over the place. It's on if you were to turn on CNN, if you were to turn on MSNBC, um, certainly if you listen to NPR. I mean, that's not an algorithm for NPR. I stopped listening to NPR because nearly every episode or nearly every um, show, not all, but nearly every show that I had previously listened to somehow links the story back to white supremacy, white privilege. Uh, I mean, you sometimes get, you know, misogyny in there and, 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 uh, and the kind of the abuses of, of masculine power. And so the, again, it's, it's a hyper simplification of what is an absolutely complex world. And white supremacy explains very little about what goes wrong in the world on a daily basis, even in the United States. Misogyny explains very little about what goes wrong in the United States and what goes wrong in the world. I'm not saying it should not be talked about. It's clearly a part of something. And sometimes it's the most relevant element, mm-hmm. um, but, but not often and certainly not always. I want to say, I'm not sure that I agree with you about, I agree with most of what you just said, Travis, um, but I'm not sure that I would say that white supremacy explains very little. I mean, there's a way in which the sort of emphasis, the sort of emphatic diminution of -hmm. of, um, white supremacies on our culture doesn't strike mm. me as true or accurate. I think there are some things that can be explained, but to be fair, I'm not sure that white supremacy is an adequate explanation. So I'm thinking, for example, of this story I just read yesterday, Ted mm-hmm. Koppel. We, we grew up with Ted Koppel, um, ABC mm-hmm. Nightline. Um, Absolutely. Very respected journalist. Um, I think he's in his 80s now. Just did the story for CBS mm-hmm. Morning where he went back to the town. Oh, what is the name of that TV show? Is it Mayberry? Um, yeah, Mayberry. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. He went back to the fictional town. Mm-hmm. Well, he didn't go back to it. He went to the place which Mayberry's, the fictional town based is on. based on. Mount Airy. That's it, exactly. Mm-hmm. In North so, Carolina. Right, yeah. exactly. So he interviewed a bunch of people basically about um, their experience of growing up in the town, of living there, of um, of um, uh, of having a kind of relationship to the TV series. Um, uh-huh. What's the name of the TV series again? This is uh, Andy Griffith's show. Right, thank you. That's the one. Andy Griffith's yeah, right. show. <laughs> I had to whistle it. Yeah, right. yeah that's it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and what he found was that, and so he published, he pub- they, they pu- published, they presented the, the show at some point, you know, um, um, on CBS Morning News, um, this short segment, 
of him interviewing of his interviews with these people in the town and mm-hmm. what he found eventually this wasn't where he started but what he found eventually was that they have some pretty retrograde political politics right so he eventually eventually got to a place where he asked them so how do you feel like about the last election was it fair and only two people raised their hands in the audience 10 or 12 and then he said uh-huh. okay so how do you feel about blah 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 and he's like well trump won there was massive fraud you know the whole kind of list of of white supremacist um uh ideation about the last election and their their aggrieved position in the culture and mm. he published this and and there was some pushback from the people in the in the town saying it was a some people said it was a hit job and um, <laughs> some, some one of the people who works in in the political apparatus i want to say like a commissioner of some sort had some gentle sort of remonstration with with Ted Koppel about about the piece. So when I read this, I thought, well, yes, white supremacy is definitely part of the conversation. I don't think that it's maybe as useful as some of us think it is because it's n- like if you if you get to white supremacy and you just say, okay, the problem with the town is white supremacy and you stop there, right. that's not useful. I think what you need mm-hmm. to get to is to talk more about like what do these people do in their daily lives? Like who are they interacting with? What are their sources of information? How do they come mm-hmm. to have such mm-hmm. a particular view of how politics should or should not work in this country? Um, like who do they call their friends and on what basis are those friendships made and sustained? You know, those are the kind of questions that I think mm-hmm. we need to get at. But I think, as you say, Travis, is a handle, right? To talk about sort of the, to begin the discussion of what's wrong with this, with this place or what's wrong with the politics of this place. Mm-hmm. White supremacy is not a bad place to start. I would say it's a terrible place to start. To, to, to start, actually, but but why is I, that? I, I was with you. So I, no, I was with you like a hundred percent of the way up until the the last move. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's a useful place to start. Okay, um, but but Steve, what would be better? Well, hold, hold on one second. I, I I will I will attempt to offer a response. It may sound, it may sound lazy, but it's really mm-hmm. in between these two points. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it isn't. Mm-hmm. And also, I feel like because it's a buzzword, in some ways, it allows people to kind of get in. And it's sort of hypocritical. Well, not hypocritical, but I feel I have different ways I think people understand things. Mm. If this is the way you're introducing an issue and someone reads the article or someone sits there, I'd like to believe that people could do what um, Seth just did and said, well, this might be a quality or an issue here, but... What's really more interesting is how this thing came about. And I've mentioned it to you, the Toni Morrison quote, the least, mm-hmm, most, mm-hmm. In, you know, reliable right. thing. That it's a race right? because there are people mm-hmm. involved. Mm-hmm. And so the film I saw yesterday, Red Rocket, talks about, um, it's, a, it's really not the story of this ex-porn ex, um, star going back to his hometown in Texas. Mm-hmm. It's really about that town. And it's really beautiful because it was rendered. I rarely see films where p- poor people or working class people are treated 
they're usually treated as, um, you know, we are golden hearted, um, <laughs> real Americans or they're criminals, right? right. They right. have no depth. They have no. Right. So mm-hmm. the filmmaker did a really good job of letting people be people. And so mm. you watching the oil refineries in the background, you as a from the kind of viewer I am, don't tell me what to believe about people. Let me see what the people do mm. and let me try to understand what their motivations are. And mm. in a short film, not a film short because it's not real life. You don't have years and years to look at people and look at yourself. Mm. Energetically, I really love that because I was like, oh, shit, these people take care of each other. Mm. Oh, shit. Like there are all these things that I grew up going, that's what I see. Mm. I don't see the moral lens come in and say, these are the bad people. These are good people. These are white people. These are black people. I saw something that uh, Charles Bukowski said once in one of his poems, which is, if poor people aren't kind to each other, it's over. Mm. <laughs> mm. And I love hearing that every now and then it re- resonates in my head around mm. storytelling. Mm. And so for me, white misanthropy, white supremacy can be useful, but it's not always useful. Mm. So that's what I mean by the middle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm, I think I'm 100% with you on that, Stephen. I, I would say, to, to answer your question, Seth, I would say, when is focusing on a 500-year-old historical movement or tendency ever the best way to understand any individual? Well, I didn't, like, say, well, I didn't say best. I just said sometimes it's a, it's a good place to you, start. Or, or, or even a good place to start. Mm-hmm. I, because I think it's, it's sort of like, but I, I think it's sort of like looking at the universe and trying to understand everything through the lens of gravity. There are, there are three other forces that are at play there. And, and on a smaller scale, you know, the strong, weak, and electromagnetic forces have far greater sway than gravity does. Far more important. Gravity doesn't go away, right? Gravity's impact is not, is, is not zero, but it's, it's negligible. And, and so is white supremacy or, you know, the sort of the invention of whiteness in the Western world, has it affected the, tra- the trajectory of the world? Sure, absolutely. But does it, does it have an impact on how you walk down the street and buy a carton of milk? I would say not in an interesting way. And I've been to Mount Airy. I was just there a few months ago uh, and talked to just by virtue of walking around the downtown. And the two people I had conversations with weren't even from the United States. One was an immigrant from Australia and the other was an immigrant from like Bulgaria or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the, I mean, no, it was two people out of a town of however many thousands, a 10,000, 20,000, I don't know what the population of Mount Area is. But to think that you could get any meaningful understanding about mm. Mount Airy uh, by starting with white supremacy, which you are not arguing, you're mm. saying it's not a very useful place to start. Mm. I would say that it's almost never a useful place to start unless you're talking about broad scale, you know, sort of world historical movements. If you want to talk about broad scale world historical movements, okay, I, I that's an interesting conversation to have. I think, I think sort of the white man's burden has to be white supremacy, white misanthropy has to be a part of that conversation. I don't think it goes deep enough, but I'm fine with talking about it, you know, vis-a-vis the Western world. Mm. And like recently I was just, uh, I was reading uh, Magic Mountain, Thomas Mann's Magic Mountain. Mm. And, you know, he, the way he characterizes Asia and stuff like that. I mean, this is clearly like he's, he's working with these very large historical generalizations, Mm -hmm. 
that is connected to whiteness for sure. So is it useful in that context? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. But I just don't think it's a very useful handle to talk about the complexities of U.S. politics right now, even for a Trump election. I really do. I mean, you it it leaves you totally incapable of explaining how voters went from Obama to Trump. If if your handle is yeah, if agreed. you're starting from white supremacy, agree with like that. It just doesn't. Yeah. It's not enough. No, no, I agree with that. Totally agree with that. I think that our media, legacy and otherwise, um, I mean, even new media, um, especially online um, sources, uh, platforms. Uh, have done a terrible job of giving us insight into our own politics. I think that the sort of diminution of the argument into, well, you have Democrats who are in blue states and you have oh, yeah. Republicans yeah, yeah, that yeah. are in red states and the Republicans generally want this and the Democrats generally want that. <laughs> like it's just, you know, no, it's awful. And here's, a, here's, a, here's, a, here's an example um, of, of, something quite different, which I really liked, which I heard last night as I was driving from this, I want to say institution, but it's an art gallery, mm. a unison or something uh, in New Paltz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know if it feels like it's big enough for that, but whatever. I was driving okay. from there and I was listening to this Amer an episode of This American Life. And the episode theme was, but I did everything right. And it talks about this woman who was in this big, she may still be part of it, a big uh, Southern Baptist church called Summit. And really uh, strong soldier in the pro-life movement uh -huh. was a nurse who worked in a clinic, sonogram nurse. So she would give pregnant women pictures of their babies growing. Um, oh, nice. And uh, she, you know, ardent pro-life supporter, um, activist, um, you know, it, it, deeply involved in her church, basically uh, got pregnant um, with her husband. Um, they're still married from what the story indicates. Um, mm -hmm. And would daily or weekly, um, when she went into work, take a picture of her own growing baby in her belly. And at some point, saw on the sonogram that something was profoundly wrong with her child and uh, um, uh, or her baby or a fetus. Um, and um, <laughs> yeah, right. So the terms get, you know, they get mm -hmm. very political very quickly. Very. Um, the doc basically, the doctor uh, looked over the sonogram with her and they realized that the, the fetus was profound, like had one of those genetic abnormalities that meant that it was it was basically going to be dead in her womb in, in, oh, a, in, wow, in, a, yeah. in a matter of months. Um, right. Spine was was apparently bent at 90 degrees and a, a bunch of the organs were already outside of the body. So it was like, oh, like so almost, yeah, almost zero percent chance of, of, of having a viable birth, right? She... She, had, she prayed on it with a with a group and la 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 and talked with her husband. They were never going to abort the child. She um she kept going with the pregnancy. Um, um and a couple of weeks before the the birth date, um, child the fetus didn't have an, a heartbeat. So basically, she had to they had to induce um, labor, labor and she mm -hmm. um, essentially gave birth to a dead baby, stillborn right. child. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. right, right. So she began, she said that she, her faith was firm, la, la, la. They went through it, la, la, la. They adopted a child. 
Um, they had a, they had, she got pregnant a second time and the, the baby was fine. Um, so they had an adopt, adopted child. And I'm not really sure how I feel about this. Maybe we can talk about this in another podcast. Adopted a child from like Ethiopia, Kenya or something and brought the child up with their own, the child that, um, that, uh, she fathered, uh, that her husband fathered with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she got pregnant again. They wanted a big family. And what it said, she said she mm-hmm. wanted like four kids. So she got mm-hmm. pregnant again, and on the second um, pregnancy, again another genetic abnormality. No, sorry, abnormality. third one, third one, third pregnancy, genetic yeah. abnormality. Again, going through the agonizing decision of whether to keep uh, or, or terminate the pregnancy, and again had to birth a dead baby. Oh, and um, she said that, and the, the, well, the kicker is that. Still kept her faith, la la. Completely believed that you know that God was using her to do whatever to 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 bring something about. And then she had a conversation with a friend of hers who was going through a similar thing. And the mm. friend in the church decided to terminate her pregnancy. So uh-huh. this woman, big pro life fighter, la la la, activist went on her blog and said what well, she'd had a change of heart and said, I really don't feel, I feel like this is a, 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 a decision that is really up to the woman. And that, um, even though I don't understand why women would terminate viable pregnancies, I still feel like it's not a position that I have. She any- felt no, no put to judge. Right. She exactly. The, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. And she said this and she said, I'm still Christian, la 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 la, but she got a lot of blowback. From of this. course and she, she did. knew she would. And, sure, of course she did. And basically, yeah. the whole the church just kind of like didn't well, they communicate her. Well, <laughs> the pastors got a lot of messages urging them to do exactly that to push her out of the church. Uh-huh. I don't. I can't remember the rest of whether she actually voluntarily voluntarily left or she's still there. I think she's still there. But basically. People just started to like look past her, just started to ignore her, if not out, be out, outright hostile to her because she said this. And, mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. I want to say like that is like more, and sh- the, the woman who was narrating the story also said this, like that is more the U.S. general public's politics. Like our politics are, it's complicated, it's difficult. If you have this experience, then you have a particular way of like looking at this. If you're outside of it, um, you don't. And, and so it's, it's, it's messy and it's difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately people generally side with the idea that women should have access to safe and effective abortions. And it's really not anybody else's business, but their own. But. Most of the stories that I read are about like the activists like throwing, you know, signs of like dead fetuses into people's places as they try to get to the clinic. And so let me, mm-hmm. let me, let me jump in for a second. So I, I um, obviously, the, you know, you have an opinion, you have one opinion about it until it happens to you. And then that, you know, kind of, and then that all of a sudden you discover nuance. Mm. So, so I believe that, and I think that that is a truism. You know, the the example that I usually go to when it comes to that is, you know, sort of Dick Cheney, and you know, his his daughter his daughter is gay, and so all of a sudden, like he's for gay rights, right. you know. So yeah, yeah. You know, and so I, I think that that 
that makes a, a lot of sense to me and is superhuman, right? I mean, it, I mean, the, the alternative is a monster, you know, like, so mm. like if you are, if you're not in favor of gay rights and you have a child that ends up being gay and you're still not in favor of gay rights, like that kind of just makes you a monster at that point. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, we, mm-hmm. I mean, we really like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, so it's superhuman it's also super frustrating at the same time exactly. when when the, when these people's politics don't match up mm-hmm, i will mm-hmm. say on the abortion thing i think it's a terrible bargain that has to be sustained i i think i it is entirely intuitive to me that abortion if you really think about it is repugnant to people that it's repugnant to like that you know having had two kids now like the mm. When you go, like, it looks like a person pretty soon. Mm -hmm. And we have no problem anthropomorphizing all kinds of of things in the world that that we, you know, we, like, are revolted by the mistreatment of. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I completely get the uh the intuitive rejection of abortion as a viable option. I, I totally get it. I think that it has to be sustained. I think the right to abortion has to be sustained precisely because of that terrible bargain, because the government's power to regulate what Mm -hmm. a human, not a woman, what a human can do with their body has to be defended and curtailed at every chance because, Mm. because, because governments, large scale institutions by their very nature, just want more and more power. They will claim more and more territory over your body and so bodily integrity has to be defended as a sacred principle and sacred principles require sacrifices and and that sacrifice is a woman's right to choose whether to 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 keep or or to terminate a pregnancy mm-hmm. but i do think it's a terrible bargain to have oh, to make i think it's terrible I, I i really do like i think i completely get the other side's revulsion to it um and so i i just the, the reason i jumped in is like i i I think even that is complicated, right? I mean, I think the politics of that are complicated. And, you know, abortion's about 50-50. It's been about 50-50 for 50 years now. Like, the public has not moved substantially on this. It's not much different between men and women. Right. Um, women have a slightly higher uh, interest in defending a woman's right to choose, but not by much. Um, and so it's a part of the country that is not ever going to be reconciled. Right. It's just not, I mean, it, it's, if it's, it's been 50 years, right. you know, civil rights has moved, you know, suffrage has moved. All these things have moved in, you know, the last hundred, 150 years of this country. Yeah. Abortion has not moved. Yeah. Uh, it's not going to move. People no. aren't going to give that up. And so, um, I, I think we've got to figure out a way to make peace with it. And I think, honestly, I think, mm. um, unless we kick it back to the States, it's going to it's going to it's going to maintain its power over our civil discourse. Personally, I'm in favor of. Um, well, I actually don't know where I'm at. I mean, I I think it has to be a sacred right that has to be protected because I think institutional powers have to be defended against. But it goes way beyond abortion for me. So, like, this would go into like vaccine mandates and all the rest of it. Which is where I thought you were going with this, actually. No, no, not intentionally. Not not intentionally. I actually okay. think I, I think that I think COVID has revealed I think it's revealed that this is not a closely held principle for either side, actually. I like that. that. The, yep. the, 
I that the so. argument mm -hmm. for bodily autonomy was always disingenuous on the left, and it's really a cultural one. And that, in fact, they're not in, they're not in, it has nothing to do with bodily autonomy for most people and their political positioning. Um, and I think that's true for either side. Like, you know, I think that, I think the right is not, doesn't have a strong commitment to it either. I don't think the left has a strong commitment to it um, uh, in either way. But I think COVID and vaccine mandates have revealed that um, that this is not a, a, a strongly held belief, even though I think it needs to be. And I think more people need to defend this idea that as an individual, you know, the the government's sovereignty has to stop at, at that border. Now, if you're trying to decide whether you, you have a bemused look on your face. Well, a what look? Bemused. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm struggling right now because I think... Um, well, I think what, what, what I think we've been talking for a while, and I think we kind of need to wrap up um, this topic. Um, and I, I want what I want to say in that vein is, it's very, very difficult for our culture to get a handle on things that are structural. We're really, really good at talking about people. We're really good at talking about things that happen. We're much, much, much less capable and. Uh, and talking about ideas that embed themselves in our ways of living to the point where they become almost invisible. Things mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. white supremacy. And I think it is, it is actually to our detriment that we haven't figured out a better way to talk about these kind of structural issues. Because I think you're right, Travis, ultimately not just labeling something white supremacy is not is not doing the work. Like that's not that's that's just name calling in 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 some respects. Well, at worst, right. at, at worst, worst. Mm. at worst, it's just name calling. Mm. I mean, at best, I suppose it's it's identifying something, and then say, and at best, it maybe saying, okay, I've identified the thing that's a problem. Let's work on this with these tools that we happen to have at hand. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I think what's happening in the stories that you brought up is a lot of name calling, a lot of like, um, well, see, I told you, like, if you don't pass Build Back Better, you're just going to end up screwing up BIPOC people. And that's what this is this is about. And, uh, and I honestly don't think that Joe Manchin gives a shit of one way or the other about BIPOC folks. I think that he's his agenda is more protecting his wealth, whatever. Um, and mm -hmm. uh, um I, I I want to say that. Why can't it just be that he's actually not like he's actually concerned about the national debt, or why he's actually concerned about inflation, or he's actually concerned? Uh, because because right, I know what you're saying. I think I know where you're going, but there, so the history for that doesn't really exist because of the flip flopping that he's done and the disingenuous way in which he's argued his points. Thank you. Don't give you that, but I, but if I understand you as a why can't it be other things in general? Is that what you mean? I apologize for interrupting you. Yeah, no, no, that, that, that's that's fair. I would also throw in that he also is a politician who represents the state of West Virginia, and he he needs to do what he can to keep his job. And so, and and what uh, motivates most pe <clears throat> what motivates most people's politics. Is keeping their jobs, you know. If if the if if they think their base or their voters are um, 
are not going to reelect them, that definitely shapes their opinion on most issues. Yeah, and so I'm not saying Manchin's like super principled. To be honest, I don't know much about Joe Manchin beyond mm-hmm. what I know I'm supposed to think about Joe Manchin, which is that he is an evil obstructor of, you know, like lifting all boats or whatever it is. Uh, pun intended, because I know he famously owns a yacht. So the, 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 but I don't know like what his calculation, I mean, West Virginia politics are pretty complicated. Um, I mean, a Democratic senator in that state is not holding on very easily to his seat um, I, without making some compromises. Right, but you've, you've <laughs> also heard the story that West Virginia miners themselves have gone to his office or to his um, or publicly made demonstrations asking for his support on that bill. Yeah. So, so his own constituents. Okay, so, you, so you're saying that there has been news media coverage of a group of West Virginia miners that went to protest at Joe Manchin's office. Unless we're talking, I mean, unless we're talking about, like, I just, the framing of that story automatically starts alarm bells, sirens start going off in my head. Like that seems very conveniently framed, not by you. You're, you're, you know, you're talking about a story you read that seems very conveniently framed. Like again, the state of West Virginia, the state of West Virginia, right? I mean, it's a big state. You think yeah. That the, yeah. And, and the politics of West Virginia yeah. mm-hmm. and its position in our history yeah. and you think, not you, and the person who wrote this story or the national framing is that Manchin is just a grifter interested in his own, you know, like sort of swelling portfolio. Does that sound right to you guys? Like, of course that sounds absurd. Well, no, 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 you're not being fair because we talked about AOC the other day and you said basically like, her, the dress that she wore to the thingamajig was ridiculous because you know that five years into, into her, into being an, uh, a, a, a representative, that she's going to come out of that place a millionaire. So the notion that someone could, and he's been a senator for a long time, this notion that yeah. someone could start off <coughs> maybe being quite careful and considerate of his constituents' needs and develop into a person who really doesn't give that much of a shit seems to me very, um, very much a possibility. So I'm, I'm, I'm entirely with you on the last point. I think bringing up AOC is entirely fair. What I'm saying is that the handle that we're offering for Joe Manchin, so to be clear, I don't give two shits about. I know nothing right. substantial about Joe Manchin right. at all, right, right, right? right? I guess I have a reflexive respect for a Democratic senator that's been able to hold on to a seat in West Virginia. Like, you got to be a pretty good politician to 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 have held on to uh, a seat as a Democrat in the last 20 years. Not before that. Certainly, you know, kind of there's probably a deep Democratic tradition, you know, especially if, if you're kind of thinking about like kind of, you know, early 20th century Democratic politics. Yes. So, so I, I understand that there's a history there. But I don't know anything about him. What I'm saying is that I don't think like white supremacy or, or racism is at all a useful handle for understanding what's going on with Joe Manchin. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Same page, same page. That's, yeah, that's all. I'm just saying, like, I don't think, yeah, yeah, it, it might, I'm, in, fact, in fact, I would say if I had to guess, of course it's about self-interest. Like, but that is, uh, you know, holding on to his job or whatever that may yeah, be. Yeah, but that's essentially um, what I said. I said that, like, that's not, 
that's not those aren't useful yeah. terms, but it's naked self interest or his hope his you know sort of yeah, keeping his did. wealth. I just wanted to okay. I wanted to boomerang it back to the BIPOC thing, the race thing doesn't have anything useful to 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 contribute to that conversation. True. It's just not really about that. True, but but it may be that the BIPOC thing and the white supremacy thing does have something useful to contribute to the conversation about Mount Airy or um, uh, 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 the way that that Mount Airy folks see themselves in the world. Yeah, we. I mean, we talked about that. I don't. I don't really agree. But you wanted to wrap. You wanted to wrap up. And, but Stephen, <laughs> no, no. I'm just saying. I don't. I. I don't. I mean, we we talked about that. I don't actually agree. I don't. I don't think it's useful. I don't think it's a very useful handle to think about any. 2021 community mm. like i just is as a, again as an aspect of of world history mm-hmm. and kind of a world historical movement okay definitely something to talk about as a part of kind of colonial imagination and its formation of kind of america and what it means to be an individual with agency okay mm. what it means in 2021 for the citizens of Mount Airy, Mount Airy, not super useful and not going to do anything but like gin up a particular base political judgment. Mm. It's, those people aren't going to go like, oh, damn, Ted Koppel's right. We're a bunch of racists. <laughs> like we, we better fix that. Like, that, let's hire some consultants. Maybe Abraham Kendi can come in for twenty thousand dollars a pop, and wow. like and, talk, and and help us be wow. anti-racist. Oh, so you I'm went say, there? Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It, it, what I'm saying is, it's not helpful. Really? It doesn't. It's not useful at all. It's just a way to dunk on people. Yeah, but, um, but, but Steve, I'm sorry. Stephen was a, made a face, and I, I wanted to <laughs> like. And no, I wanted to, no, no, no. So my dog has already barked, and I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the, dar- the dog has barked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I appreciate the arguments, mm-hmm. and but yeah, I, I think it, it can be useful, and I think in some ways it isn't. I mean, mm-hmm. that's as far as I can go with that. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. All right. So. Uh, it was fun. So it's going to be happy. It's going to be a new year for uh, when when this comes out on Monday. Woo-hoo! So we record, we record on Friday. So mm-hmm. uh, is it episode two hundred two or two hundred one? I think we're two hundred one. Actually, do, um, was it unlucky do days? Do we count funky, those? Funky days. We do. We count them sep- We count them separately. So gotcha. Okay. Uh, the, the notes has a different. The notes has a different count. Do, awesome. Uh, than the, so the do what are y'all doing for New Year's? Uh, I'm not doing anything. Mm, me either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. I will stay up with um, Molly and Dean, and we will play a board game and drink. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> Dean won't drink; he's nine. But <laughs> I was like, uh, "What? <laughs> yeah, why is Dean not walking straight? Like, what is the deal?" <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll play a board game, and that's it. You know that. Uh, uh, it's. I don't know about you, I and mean, we can, can wrap up. But it's hard, you know with the sort of endless grind of the pandemic, mm. um, it doesn't even feel like a fresh start to me. Mm. You know, the new year doesn't mm-hmm. really feel like a fresh start. It, it feels just like, you know, kind of an interminable sameness, mm-hmm. um, mm. which is, you know, emotionally exhausting. No, it's like, <laughs> it's like living in a Camus novel. It's, it's awful. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's yeah. a lot of dark humor. Which I appreciate, you know, mm. you know, 
if we if there could be a bright side of anything, there's a lot of levity, you know, that we last couple of years, you just learn who you are during a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do. I do agree that something uh, <laughs> substantial is revealed um, uh, about the country and about our politics uh, mm-hmm. when dealing with a crisis. Mm-hmm. And their lack thereof of politics. But yes. Yeah. 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 For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. All right. So happy new year. Happy, happy new, new year, everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.